Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan Beale, and this is the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the market and helps you make smart choices with your investments. Today, I'll be talking with Chris Tennant Brown, Senior Wealth Economist at ASB, who I've chatted with before. We'll be covering what's been happening in the markets, including the Reserve Bank's recent rate cuts, what the government is focused on now that capital gains has been dropped, and of course, Trump's latest antics. These are entirely our own views. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts at ASB that will be happy to chat if you need. Chris, hi, how are you? Oh, good, thanks. How are you going? I'm good. I haven't seen you for a couple of weeks, and um, you've been um, going on about this Spitfire to people. Aren't, and what's what's going on there? Have you bought a Spitfire or something? Oh, I've bought a pile of pile of parts. So uh, at the moment, it's um, 10,000 bits sitting in a container, but if all goes according to plan, it'll be something I can... Uh, fly around in, in a few years' time. So your economists are known for being quite sort of level-headed and serious, and you're... Not so much. ...building, <laughs> building a Spitfire, and then you're actually going to get in and fly it as well. Yeah, this is um, this is one of those things which cracks me up um, internally. I don't laugh when I'm actually talking to a customer about this. But, you know, people often think, oh, you're uh, yeah, you're, you're really expert on this sort of stuff um, when we're talking about investments. So what would you do with your money? And I just have this internal laugh and think, <laughs> you don't want to do what I'm doing with exactly. my money. I'm making a small fortune out of a large fortune by building a plane <laughs> in my garage. Good luck with building it. One thing I can categorically say and guarantee, I don't use the word guarantee ever in investment advice and investment planning, but I am guarantee I'm never going to get in a Spitfire with you when you're flying it. But. Oh, that's probably quite a safe strategy. <laughs> um, but uh, speaking of uh, habits and things we've been up to, how's the uh, record collection going? Do any Good. new additions? Yeah, there is actually. I was... Um I was been away for two weeks in work. I've been over in uh, the UK, which I can touch on later, maybe in the show. Um, with the, I think I got followed by Donald Trump everywhere I went. Trump seemed to be there as well. But um, yeah, I did manage to buy a bit more vinyl. Uh, went to HMV, which is a lot smaller than it used to be, and used to be on every street corner. And now it's just sort of one in London. But I did buy some additional. Um, vinyl and I'm a bit of a Bruce Springsteen fan so I did buy uh, a couple of Bruce Springsteen's vinyl so I'm reliving my youth again which is uh, which is awesome which oh, is awesome nothing wrong with that that's probably what I'm doing by making a plane in my garage yeah, as exactly. well <laughs> exactly hey now I think the last time we talked uh the capital gains tax had been kicked into in, kicked into touch everyone got quite uh, animated about the potential for capital gains tax and it got swept aside um in the budget was there anything else in the budget of interest that people should know about yeah, I, th- I think the the fact that the capital gains tax wasn't there um, made it a little bit of a, a lame duck. Um, but there's still the the usual traditional things that economists look at in a budget, like what a debt level is going to be like, what are the growth assumptions that Treasury are making for their for their forecast, etc. And on on that front, this budget fell into the category. Um, that most of the budgets over the last ten or twenty years have, is that it was it was pretty prudent. Um, it ticked all the usual fiscal boxes, and there was nothing that really stood out as amazing or going to change the the course of the economy. One thing that is quite interesting, and I think it's um is is a good idea, is this well-being framework that the that the government's using just to frame up the budget and the and the priorities. It's a it's a it's a new process, and. Uh, Another little change the government made was instead of having this specific 20% debt target, they've got a band. And both of those things seem like good ideas to me. Um, 
the uh, no matter what side of the political um, spectrum you are on, you know, New Zealand's got an amazing position that the government's running a surplus. That's been happening for a while now. Uh, debt is around 20% of GDP, and this is at a time when big economies like France, Italy, UK, the States have got debt levels that are over 100% of GDP, so more than five times the amount of debt relative to the economy that we have. They can't get back into surplus. So it's really neat that we're in a country when the budget comes out, we're arguing about how should that surplus be spent, tax cuts or expenditure, rather than when are we ever going to get our books into order, which seems to be the stories overseas. So uh, yeah, I'm quietly uh, proud of New Zealand's fiscal position over the last few years, and that's this budget got the tick on that front from me. And that's been many years of the government having a real focus on debt ratio. It seems to be very different to maybe what other other countries have been doing. Yeah, well, you'd think in places like Japan, they've simply given up caring when uh, debt's uh, over 200% of GDP. It's just remarkable. And uh, so 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 here that's been a focus for a long time now. And, and the, the Clark Cullen government, um, John Key and the National Party, they had a real focus on on this keeping the books in order, and the real big blowout for 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 us has been um, the Canterbury earthquake at the same time, or, or in the wake of the global financial crisis. You know that pushed our debt up, but but still to uh, to really manageable levels compared to what we've seen the other countries around the world, and uh, it's 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 really good to see. It gives us plenty of options for the future as a uh, as a country. It was interesting when I was in. Um in London last week, um, and the papers, the TV, the radio—like if you go into a into a pub and and listen to people talking, everyone's talking about Brexit. But there's been a sort of—it just seemed to be a little bit of a change where people are going, "We're so over Brexit. We want to talk of things like healthcare, employment, you know, defence, all those things that you know everyone for three years people have stopped doing that in the UK. It's lovely living in a place like New Zealand where actually we talk about those other things and. Should we invest in more in hospitals and education and stuff? It just shows what a sort of lucky how lucky we are sometimes. Oh, ab- absolutely, and we're and we're in a position that if the government um, of of either party chose that they didn't uh, need to be quite as tight with the purse strings, um, they can fund at really low costs. Uh, we've got a great credit rating because our debt's so under control. So we've got options to be able to deal with uh, future challenges and 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 problems. And um, whereas offshore. They're grappling with such major, major issues. So we've got a good, a good bunch of uh, of of choices here for sure. But for the for the economy, um, if we're not going to have uh, capital gains tax as something to really grapple with and then be an election issue next time, I guess we'll see a lot more. Well, I'm hoping that we're going to see a lot more coming out from from all the politicians about. So what are we going to do as a as a way forwards? What are some aspirational ideas we can have? And for uh, for Labour, this wellbeing budget and, and that framework was the first step along uh, their their journey towards how they'd like to frame up priorities going forward. So not not too much in the budget to get to affect sort of markets um, and people's investment, but certainly um, the Reserve Bank cutting interest rates was something that uh, will affect people's investments and and markets. We've got a view again. Uh, rates being cut. I should get that T-shirt lower for longer. But, yeah. Um, uh, what's your view on uh, why the cut, firstly, and was it the right thing, and uh, what does the future hold? Yeah. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because I've just been talking about how um, healthy the government books are and how well things are going relative to offshore. 
Um, yet here we are, the Reserve Bank's cutting rates, which which sounds like the economy's got a problem and it needs lower interest rates to help with. And and really what is going on there is that, again, we're going through a soft patch of growth. Um, our economy's slowed to levels that economies around the world would love to have you know, when we're growing closer to 2% rather than 3% or more that we've had in the past. But as a consequence of that slightly softer growth uh, and and there's a real lack of inflation pressures within the economy. So the Reserve Bank does have the capacity to cut the official cash rate uh, to try and keep the economy going as well as it can through this softer patch. And the other thing I think we'll be watching over the uh, over the coming months um, is do businesses, now that they've got that uncertainty of the capital gains tax uh, behind them, does their confidence pick up and the economy gather a little bit uh, more momentum? What does all this mean for investments? Well, um, term deposit rates have have dipped a little bit over the last month or so. Mortgage rates have dipped a bit. So yeah, the lower for longer t-shirt, you could just about get a tattoo now. It seems like it's going to be low interest rates for such a long time. And we think the Reserve Bank could likely actually give another cut to the official cash rate over the, the rest of the year. Meanwhile, um, the share markets continues to go well. We had a good month for New Zealand shares through May, a little bit jittery over the recent weeks with a bit more Trump stuff that we can touch on. Um, But overall, that driver that we've talked about for such a long time now, low interest rates, supporting equity markets, companies that are delivering on their their earnings going going well. That's been the theme we've seen uh, in the New Zealand share market and, and in the New Zealand fixed interest market. We've touched record lows for our 10-year government bond yield. They're well under 2% now. So incredibly low interest rates in the economy. But you talk a little bit about this is the new norm. And if you like the period we've seen previous to this with uh, high interest rates was actually abnormal and this is just normal. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think one of the things which is hardest for people when they're trying to work out normal is we we normally have some sort of average going on in our heads or, or some sort of gut feel based on our experiences. And um, you know, you and I are knocking around the half century mark and and, and quarter of a century of, of, of work experience. So our gut feels hopefully pretty good for thinking what's going on in markets. But in the interest rate space, there's been one thing that's been going on for our entire careers, and that's interest rates falling. And now they seem to be about as low as they can be. But my view is that this is more normal than what we worked through. You know, the inflation um, in the in the 70s was unusual. The high interest rates that central banks used to get into check is is uh, the right thing to do, but that's actually unusual in terms of the interest rates the economy has to persevere with. And so for me, this lower growth, low inflation, low interest rate environment, I think it's going to be around for a long time. And we're, we're thinking that things like the official cash rate, even when it does get lifted, It'll be into the early twos, not back up to the six to eight percent range that we that we had um, prior to the global financial crisis. So lower for longer. I'm, I'm reluctant to say this is going to be the way it is forever. The world keeps changing, but I think that this is the way I'm thinking that the next five years is going to look is that these very low interest rates are going to prevail. I took a picture of a bank when I was in London because I had a big poster out the front advertising their best rate and it was 1.3%. 
with like this these two people smiling behind in the picture, you know, happy happy with their one point three percent. It's bizarre, isn't it? Really, absolutely oh, bizarre. Yeah, and and it's it's really the the, the level that uh, interest rates have fallen to in other parts of the world aren't even really covering the inflation that we would expect. I mean, our inflation is in that one to two percent range. So if you're getting three percent on a term deposit, you're keeping ahead of inflation. But for a 10-year government bond in New Zealand now yielding 1.7%, it's barely keeping pace with inflation. And, and that's what term deposits and all sorts of investments are like in other parts of the world. Cold comfort for investors here, they just want to generate a return and make some income for themselves. But it's it's harder in this low interest rate environment than 10 years ago when you could get really good go. returns just from a term deposit. And for the people listening, explain maybe why does the Reserve Bank want inflation? It sounds like sort of counterintuitive, but what, why do they want a certain level of inflation? Well, it's, at the end of the day, it's just a number. Um, no inflation is really good if you're retired and you've got a, a bunch of savings. Um, and a lot of inflation is really bad um, because it really distorts um, investment decisions. People are really reluctant to um, to, to invest if they've got no idea um, what things are going to cost in the, in, the, in the future. So the 1% to 3% range that we've got here is just a number. Um, you could call it a Goldilocks number if you like, but it's, it is just a number. So that focus on that 2% midpoint is our thing. It's similar around the, um, the world. The Reserve Bank of Australia has got a 2 to 3% target range and would expect them to, to meet it. Um, but they are just numbers. You could argue that they could be targeting 1% um, and, and all sorts of things. And in that vein, I think with inflation under control, I quite like the idea that, well, what other things should the Reserve Bank be focused on and what other tools have they got? Um, you know, in recent years, the Reserve Bank's got an employment target that it thinks about um, when it's managing monetary policy. And of course, we've seen the Reserve Bank uh, take a pretty active role in lending restrictions over recent years as well. So the inflation target is just part of the mix, but it is just a number that the government and, and the Reserve Bank agree on. Okay. And then in um, May, we saw quite a bit of volatility in, in share markets. Uh, we've seen a sort of a bounce back recovery in June. Um, you've been saying for a while now that the fundamentals are really good. Why, why do you think we started to see some volatility in, uh, in, in May? I think people are really responding to um, the, the growth threats um, that they see coming out of some of the um, trade dispute between Trump and, and, and China in the first instance. Uh, but he's uh, stepped it up through, uh, through the recent months. Um, Mexico was in the, in the spotlight and, and fairly unexpectedly. Uh, and in, in the way these things go with Trump, it's announced with a tweet. Um, and the response is announced with a with a tweet, and you know the problem appears to be solved with regard to Mexico right now. Um, and then with China, it just seems to be getting um, worse and worse. So um, markets haven't liked that. Um, at the same time, um, we've had an incredibly encouraging interest rate black backdrop, um, but the but the Trump stuff has has rattled people a bit, I think, and. Uh, and then through uh, through June, um, we've focused on the positives a bit more, and, and US share markets, for example, have largely recovered. New Zealand's um, share market through this time marched to its own tune, and um, we we posted a a one percent gain in May, while other markets were down five percent or more. So, you know, we've been amazingly resilient to some of this stuff, but it has been rattling um, global share markets, that's for sure. And it's. Um it's strange because you hear all this um, record high, record high, record high, and I think sometimes that um, 
people see that as a bit of a negative potentially. But if you think about where we are in the in the in the cycle, low interest rates, good growth globally, there's actually no reason why there's going to be a, can't be another record high. And actually, doesn't mean it's going to go backwards just because we're at a record high. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the thing I always think about that is, yeah, no one likes paying too much for something. Um, but what I'd like to see is a record high the day I need to withdraw my investment. So I actually want to yeah. see plenty more of them over the, my investment life. And what I've learned in my um, 25-odd years of, of trying to help people with this sort of stuff is when you're seeing record lows, most people don't have the guts to go, oh, now I'm going to really get into it. They're just worried and nervous and don't want to touch any risk with a barge pole. So um, I think we've got to be really careful about these ideas of trying to time when to get in or when to get out of the market, and particularly um, getting scared off by record highs. Um, I think hopefully we'll see many, many, many more of them over the rest of our investment lives. I must admit, I've been really um, encouraged and pleased when um, I've been going around the country uh, speaking with uh, customers and asked if they've listened to the podcast and a lot of them have which has been which is awesome so we're becoming little celebrities in our maybe <laughs> in our own minds um but uh, the thing the word i hear a lot is comfort um and it's lovely to hear that people are listening to these going actually i'm getting some comfort because there is so much noise and so much information readily available today that actually so you just need to cut through it don't you and go actually why have I invested my money what are the outcomes i'm trying to get am i achieving what i want to do and it's always going to go up and down um, but understanding why and what's behind it, I think, is always the key part to investing money. Yeah, I th- and one of the things I've noticed, again, talking with people is is this feeling like, oh, this time's different, though. And, and, and hey, maybe it is. Um, but I think one of the things which is feeding into people's um, thinking is we get so much information now. Like, we lo- do literally get to see what Trump's thinking a nanosecond after he's thought it because it arrives in a tweet. And uh, that's pretty unusual. And when I, at the start of my career, um, we used to have to ring up the dealing room and then they would ring up the dealing room in Asia to see what was going on in the Asian markets on any given day. Um, now we can all be watching it live on our on our phones. And um, if you're a 20-year investor, you don't really need to be checking your phone every five minutes for the latest news to work out what to do next. But there's a temptation there, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think the amount of information we get and the way we get it now can be quite rattling. And this is where... I think it's really important to focus on the long term. You know, like with with Trump, I, people know I'm not a huge fan, but we need to brace yeah. it, brace ourselves for at least another couple of years yeah. of uh, of of tweeting updates about how the world should be. Well, it could run. be six years. Yeah, and it could be. I won't, I won't rule it out. Um, and that's the way the world's going to be. So we have to focus on our on our own game. Um, for for you and I, hopefully we've got um, ten or fifteen years before we retire, and and maybe forty years of of, of being an investor. Um, so there's going to be plenty of stuff that we don't like, um, and maybe there'll be something even faster than tweets yeah. that we get the uh, the knows? bad news from in the future. But we do need to focus on the long game and and the ups and downs. Um, you certainly need to ride them out a bit. I don't know if this is true, but I was in a, a workshop today, and someone said the life expectancy of someone born today is 115 years like that's just ridiculous isn't it really and then, so i think people are going people are just going to live longer and you know people who retire today at 65 i think life expectancy is about 91 so your investment you've got and the income you're going to draw has to actually last a lot longer than maybe 20 20 30 years ago and so you have to start thinking about investing money in different things yeah well my i'd said to my um 
mum and dad that their goal, their investment goal should be to bounce the cheque to the undertaker. Um, <laughs> and um, when they retired, um, but gee, if you're 65 and you might live to 115, that's a complicated process. So that's quite, oh yeah. yeah. But, uh, hey, now, um, in the next few weeks, what, what, are, what should we be looking out for? What's coming up that uh, our listeners should be thinking about? Well, in, in our case... Um, We'll be we'll be watching the local economic data. We've got growth figures coming out, and and I think financial markets will be really trying to form a view of, hey, is the Reserve Bank going to cut interest rates here again? How much lower can uh, can can rates uh, go here? But offshore, gee, it's going to be an interesting few weeks because uh, you know Trump's uh, Trump, Trump's uh, wound a few people up over the uh, over the Twitter over recent times. Um, and we've got the G20 summit in Japan later on. So, you know, this is where uh, a lot of the world leaders will be, and uh, Trump will be presumably meeting with um, with the likes of uh, China. Um, Putin should be there, and um, Merkel. You know, a lot of the people that are that have been agitated in all these recent issues, and and so um, markets will be looking for. Um, some positives or negatives out of that, and I think that'll really set the tone. Just carrying on from what we've seen in May, when when people are really looking for signs that this global trade situation is is going to imp- improve, and and so that meeting will be really um really big for that. He seemed to upset a few people on his trip to um, UK and um, and Ireland. He um, oh, he certainly upset the Welsh by spending uh, Prince of Wales, Prince of Wales with an H. Um, yeah, that was special. That was special. I think I- Ireland. He was talking about the. Borders, or yeah, we've both got border walls, and um, yeah, that's interesting as well. So, gee, uh, global politics is different uh, to what it's been in the past, and so uh, yeah, this meeting when they all get into one room it will be will be fascinating. It was uh, when I was I went for a, I was t- talking to someone earlier, but I went for a run when I was in London and um, got up early and ended up at Buckingham Palace. And took a picture of the Queen because the the flag was flying, and then ran down the Mall, and there was all these big British flags and American flags because Trump was arriving in the in the afternoon, I think. And uh, and then I ran a bit further, and then you've never seen so many police officers with with guns. It was just absolutely outrageous, like the how how things have changed. And there used to be, I used to go around London and be police with truncheons, and now they've got sort of semi-automatic rifles and stuff. How, how the world's changed in, in sort of 20 years is quite ridiculous, really. But uh, there was a lot of people protesting about uh, about Donald Trump. Yeah, not that you'd not that you'd see that in all the all the fake news, I guess. Um, but hey, um, yeah, that, uh, watching all of that stuff, unfortunately, is what keeps me busy for the uh, for the rest of the month. And and what about in your world? Oh, yeah, it's um, it's been a busy it's been a busy time. The the trip to London was. Uh, was fascinating. We're looking at how we bring uh, digital advice or robo advice to customers at, at ASB. So we've been talking to a number of parties uh, over in the UK, which was fascinating. So they're they're probably five years ahead of us in in um, in robo advice. So we're looking at how we learn from that and how we how we do it uh, slightly differently here. So that was well, that was fascinating. Um, I think last time we talked. Uh, I mentioned after the horrific shootings in uh, Christchurch what uh, what we'd done with um, some of our fund managers, namely BlackRock, and our letter to uh, to Facebook, and then some exclusions we were looking at. So I suppose in a positive, we we got a response or an acknowledgement from Facebook to our letter, which was probably more than we expected. So it's nice to know actually it landed on someone's desk and someone did something about it. So. Uh, that was that was positive, um, and we took a recommendation to the investment committee 
to exclude companies that manufacture or manufacture to sell assault weapons to civilians. So that was approved. So by the end of uh, June, we'll be out of uh, companies who do that. So, uh, which I think is the right the right thing to do. And we've had lots of customer feedback that that's something they would expect a company like ASB to do. So um, I think as we talked about before, that's the power of having very large fund managers like BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street that we can use and leverage and the ability to move quickly uh, and sort of the inbuilt focus on making sure we're doing the right thing by the customer and the values of the organization like caring and integrity come through really strongly. So um, it's a good thing to do, uh, keeping us busy, but it's the it's the right thing to do. Yeah, nice to uh, hear that we have a voice and it's made a difference. And hopefully when when you're in the UK, you didn't go and see any robo-economists. Uh no, no, but that maybe that's the next thing we should be looking at. <laughs> hey, Chris, as always, been lovely chatting to you, and um, good luck with the Spitfire. And um, I might pop around and have a look at it, but um, I'm definitely not getting into it. But thanks again for your insights and your time. I really look forward to next time speaking to you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on the ASB Investment Podcast. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on future shows, please fire your suggestions through to podcasts at asb.co.nz. Mm-hmm.